glad each and every one of you are here today, and we just want to uh, take a few moments this morning to turn to God's Word, allow Him to speak to us from the Scriptures, and instruct us in living life day by day for Him. If you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you do, turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3. We know that here in this chapter, um, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a religious leader of the day. And he has come to Jesus by night. And they are having a conversation uh, about our spiritual well-being and God's direction for our life. And in the midst of that conversation, Jesus says, beginning in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water... And the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Jesus, in having this conversation with Nicodemus is communicating to us that the human nature which every one of us are born with cannot enter the kingdom of God unless it's been changed. In the state that we enter this world, the human nature that we have, he he says that can't be a part of the kingdom of God. That if we're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, we refer to this as being born again. That we have to be born anew, that we have to be changed from the old nature, the human nature. And he says now we become a part of a new nature, which is a spiritual nature. In other words, or another way to say that, is that the Holy Spirit of God comes and sets up dwelling in our lives. And he becomes the principal controller of everything that we do and say and giving us life in our hearts and in our being. He removes the the old heart and replaces it with a new heart. And the new heart is controlled by the Spirit of God. As we think about that today, we begin to, to understand what it means for the Spirit to permeate our entire life. For the Spirit to animate our entire being. For the Spirit to wholly control everything that we do in our lives. And it is by His grace that we receive the Spirit of God. The new birth is not caused by our faith. In fact, just the opposite as we look into God's Word, faith is caused by the new birth. And we look into the Scripture, it says, No one can come to the Son unless it is granted to him by the Father in John chapter 6. We're in John chapter 3, just over a few chapters. He says, No one can come to the Father unless it is granted to him by the Father. So, So it's not my faith 
that brings the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit who brings faith into my life. And when we can begin to wrap our heads around the idea that is the presence of the Holy Spirit that changes everything about us, we begin to recognize that that it is the power of the Spirit that allows us to be born again and to be a part of the kingdom of God. Therefore, we, we understand what it means to live by the Spirit. But he says if we're going to live by the Spirit, then we must walk by the Spirit. Listen to this passage in, in Galatians chapter 5. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, let's, let's think about that for just a moment. What does that mean? Well, I thought living by the Spirit was walking by the Spirit. No. He says those, those are two separate things. Living by the Spirit is, is that the Spirit has come and put life in my body. Well, what did we just talk about when we were talking about the prodigal son? He was dead and he was made alive. He was lost and he was found. When the Spirit of God comes to live in us, He takes us from a dead state. We are dead, lost, separated from God. And He makes us alive again. And so if we are living by the Spirit, in other words, the Spirit has come and set up residence in our heart, and He is controlling our life, He says then we need to walk by the Spirit. In other words, the actions of our life need to reflect the Spirit that is living within us. So it changes our behavior. It changes how we look at life, how we think about life, how we talk in life, how we behave in life. And so living by the Spirit means that we have received life by the power, indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Walking by the Spirit means then my life is changed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and I act differently. So what does that look like? Well, what does it mean for me to be controlled by the Spirit or to be living in the Spirit and walking by the Spirit? I would like to, to share with you today that that there are five principles that we can learn that, that can help us to walk by the Spirit as we're living in the Spirit. And, and so let's look at those together today. The first one is this, is that we need to acknowledge. The first thing that we need to do, according to God's Word, is that we need to acknowledge from our hearts that we are helpless to do good apart from the enablement and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 7 and verse 18 says this, I know that in me, listen to what Paul Ricey writes to the Romans, I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. In me, in my flesh, in the very being that I was crea- as I was created, there isn't anything good about me. We have to acknowledge that. We have to recognize and say, there's anything good about me. It's just the nature with which, in which we are created is that there is nothing good in us. So in John chapter 15 and verse 5, a little bit later in the Gospel of John, where we're reading in John chapter 3, he says, without me, you can do nothing. Now let's put those two thoughts together. In me, there is nothing good. In my flesh, fleshly, there is nothing good about me, Right? And then Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so if I think about those two phrases or those two statements or principles applied together, it means that there isn't anything good in me, 
and that the only way for there to be good in me is for the Holy Spirit to be in me, and the Holy Spirit in me then allows me to do something, to do everything that I couldn't do without the Spirit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And and so when we begin to, to think about those two things, we begin to think about how they tie together the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. We have to acknowledge that, that in our fleshly being there isn't anything good. But when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, then, then we can begin to live differently and we can begin to live better because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not anything that I do. It's not anything that I've done. But I walk by the Spirit, understanding and acknowledging that I can't do it on my own. When we try to do it on our own, I promise you a few things will happen. One is we will be miserable. And number two is we will fail. We cannot do it on our own. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to understand that. We we are, are nothing and we can do nothing without Him in our life. But with Him in our life, all of that changes. Everything is different than it was before. And so we have to acknowledge that. Because acknowledging that breaks down our pride. See, we can be very prideful and think, oh, oh, I do this and I do that. I can do this or I can go here, I can go there. And it's all about I, I, I and everything that I can do. And we acknowledge that apart from Him I can do nothing. And that in me there isn't anything good. Then suddenly it begins to break down the pride. It begins to remove that, that, that prideful attitude of I, and we begin to understand that I am nothing without Him. I, that word I, I am nothing without Him and the presence of His Spirit. It begins to break down that prideful attitude. It begins to break down that, that independence that we have. We, we like to think that we're independent, and He says we're not independent. We are totally dependent upon Him. And without Him, there is no good in us. And without Him, there isn't anything that we can do that is pleasing and acceptable to Him. And so when we can acknowledge that, we've taken the first step to begin to allow the Spirit to control our lives. But until we acknowledge that, we're going to continue to live in that prideful attitude that it's about me. It's about I. It's about what I can do and what I can accomplish and and the things that I... and, And so if it's about I, we're not living the way that He wants us to live. We're not living by the Spirit. We're not walking by the Spirit. But when I can break down that pride and say, there isn't anything good in me, and that I can't do anything without Him, I am totally dependent upon Him. When I come to that point, I'm at the the precipice, I'm I'm at the starting point of being able to live and to walk by the Spirit. second thing we have to do is this. second principle is this, pray. We, We must pray diligently for God to change us and continue the changing process. It's not an overnight experience. The changing process is ongoing. I want to turn back to an Old Testament passage in the book of Ezekiel. And as we turn back to the Old Testament passage of the book of Ezekiel, he's talking about the renewal of a nation, which correlates directly in our lives as Christians on this side of the cross with the renewal of our spirit. And so as he talks about the the renewal of the nation of Israel, it ties directly for us in the renewal of our lives as as spiritual beings. And and I want us to to pick up and look together for just a few moments in in Ezekiel and go to the 36th chapter, and we'll get them reading in the 25th verse. Listen to what he says. 
then I will sprinkle clean water on you. Notice the correlation. Water baptism. Notice what Jesus said when he's talking to Nicodemus. What did he say? Unless you are born of the water and the Spirit cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so in verse 25, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from all your idols. Moreover, now he says, in addition to this, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's what we're talking about with Nicodemus. He said being born again is the idea of removing a heart of stone, the old nature, replacing it with a heart of flesh or the Spirit of God, which is the new nature. And, he says, verse 27, and I will put my Spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. God says, as He's writing and, and He's talking and He's speaking to the nation of Israel, and He's talking about restoring the nation of Israel to its, its original glory. He's talking in the same idea about it restoring us spiritually. And He says, I will put My Spirit within you. He said, and I will cause you. Notice what He said, I will cause you. I, it doesn't mean that when the Spirit comes to live in me, now all of a sudden I walk and do the things I'm supposed to do. The Spirit causes me to do that. The Spirit transforms me and changes me and allows me then to begin to walk the way that God desires me to walk because God directs that in our life. And He says, I'm going to take out that old heart of stone. I'm going to re- replace it with a heart of flesh. I- I'm going to cleanse you with the water and get all the filthiness out of your life. Doesn't that sound just exactly like our conversion, this new birth, being born again, that Jesus is talking about to Nicodemus in John, the third chapter? And then He says, I will ca- put a new spirit within you and cause you to walk in regards to My statutes, in regards to My commandments, so in other words, he says, I'm going to cause you or motivate you or lead you in the direction that you should go. And we need to pray. We need to pray fervently that God will do that in us. We need to pray, God, take out that old heart and put in a new one. God, put a new spirit in me that will cause me to live the way you want me to live. God, cleanse me from my filthiness and my sins. Restore and renew me. Now, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another, to all men. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12. The Lord causes. We need to understand that. Everything that happens in our life, once we become a Christian, is motivated by the Spirit of God and the presence of God in our lives. And He causes us. Have you ever, since you've become a Christian, at some point and some time, there be some sin in your life that tempts you? So, something that, that you are tempted to do. Maybe it's from your past, or, or, or maybe it's a, it's a new temptation. But there's a temptation that comes in your life. And suddenly, you have this overwhelming feeling, this emotion, if you would, or or this conviction in your life, and you say, I'm not going to do that because I know it's wrong, and God wouldn't want me to do that. If you've ever been there, that's not you. That's not you making that choice. It's the Spirit of God living in you that makes that choice. It's the Spirit of God that allows us, I will cause you, He says, to follow my statutes. I will cause you to obey my commands. It is His Spirit living in us. I don't have the capacity to do that. 
My old nature doesn't have the ability to make those choices. And so what I have to do is pray, God, let your Spirit fill my heart. Take out the old heart. Put in a new heart. Fill me with your Spirit. And let your Spirit cause me to live the way that you want me to live. And he says, and when I do that, then, then I give you the power to live as I've commanded you to live. I give you the power to live as I've instructed you to live. And, and so we have to understand that we need to pray fervently for God's Spirit to dwell within us, for Him to replace that old heart with a new heart, and His Spirit to direct us and calls us to do what's pleasing and acceptable to Him, to live in a way, listen to what Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. The psalmist writes and he says, Create in me a clean heart. Now, do I create that? No. He creates that. And put, notice that, a new and right spirit. He puts it in. We don't do that. We don't control that. And so he creates the new heart. Create in me a clean heart. He puts His Spirit within us that allows us to do a right thing in our life and a new thing in our life. And He allows that to happen. We don't control that. But we pray and ask Him to do it. We fervently seek His will for Him to put His Spirit in us, to create in us a clean heart. And we pray over and over and over. And then the third thing we do is this. So we've acknowledged that we're helpless without Him. We pray for Him to take action to change who we are by changing our heart and putting His Spirit within us. The third thing is then we trust Him. We trust Him that He's going to do that. We trust Him that He's going to be faithful to that which He has promised He will do. And so we place our trust in Him. So we acknowledge that we're helpless. We acknowledge that He's the only one that can change us. We acknowledge that we're no good without Him. And then we begin to pray, God, change me. Put your spirit in me. Renew my heart. Give me a new heart so that I can live the way that you want me to live. And then we have to trust that he's going to do that. We can't sit around wondering, well, I wonder if God's really going to do that. We can't sit around thinking, well, I'm, I'm not sure he'll do that in me. I'm such a bad person. I've got such a bad past. I've done so many horrible things in my life. I, I'm not sure God will do that in me. We have to trust him. He is who he says he is. He will do what he says he will do. And we have to trust that. And the trust says to him then, I trust that you are going to replace my old heart with a new heart. I trust that you're going to fill me with your spirit and your spirit is going to cause me to live the way that you would want me to live, to be pleasing to you in my life. Sin will no longer have dominion over us, according to Romans chapter 6 and verse 14. Sin will no... Do you hear what I said? We have to trust him that sin no longer controls us. And that's why when we're tempted to do something we shouldn't do, and we choose to do that which we should do in, in relationship to that, we have to trust that's the Spirit of God working within me. Listen, that's an encouraging thing, right? If, if I know that there's something that I have chosen to do wrong in the past or I've allowed to tempt me in the past, and suddenly I'm choosing not to do that because it's the right thing to do or that's the wrong thing to do and I want to live the right way, guess what? It's an indicator to me. It's an immediate signal to me that the Holy Spirit is working in me. That's a good thing. That's encouraging to know the Spirit is... I'm not perfect. 
Uh, there are times that I fail that I don't allow the Spirit to do His work. I allow the flesh to take over and still hang on to those old things. But when I'm living and there's a temptation that comes my way and I allow the Spirit of God to work in me and He says, you're not going to do that. It's the wrong thing to do. I want you to do the right thing in your life. And I choose to do the right thing. That's not me choosing to do the right thing. It's the Holy Spirit causing us to do the right thing. And that is the best sign in the world for us. That lets us know the Spirit is alive and working in us. Anytime we make those kind of choices in our life, it is the Spirit working in us, causing us to do the right thing, to make the right choices. And that's the most wonderful sign that we can ever experience, to know the Spirit of God is alive in me. There are times that I wonder about it. There are times that I go, man, I, I, I don't feel close to God. I don't feel the Spirit of God. I, I, I don't feel like He's leading and guiding and directing me. But when those moments happen that I choose not to do what is wrong, and choose to do what is right. It's not me. It's the Spirit of God. And it's the most encouraging thing in our spiritual journey to know the Spirit is alive and well, and He's working within me. And we need to remember that as as we we pray and ask Him. And we need to trust. We need to trust that He's going to do what He said He would do. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11 says, Wrecking ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. I recognize, I trust Him, and I say, I'm, I'm dead to sin. Because the Spirit is in me, I'm alive to Him. And because I'm alive to Him, He works in me, and He causes me to do the things that I should do in my life. And so we have to, to be confident. We have to trust that we are being led by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is living within us, and He will continue to live within us, which brings us to number four. And that is we need to act. Now notice that this is number four, not number one. If, if it were number one, then we would still be operating in the flesh. But if we've acknowledged that we're no good, there's nothing good in us, and that I can't do anything without Him, I desperately need Him. If I have prayed for Him to fill me with His Spirit, to remove the old heart, and to replace it with a new heart, and place His Spirit in me, and I have then begun to trust Him to do that in my life, now... Now that I've reached that point, it's time for me to take action. And this is when I begin to walk. This is when the Spirit begins to direct my path. And the things that I do and the things that I say, they are are directed by the Spirit of God because I know that I need Him. I've prayed for Him to to fill my life. I I have uh, sought for and trusted in Him to do those things. And so now it governs my actions. Now it controls what I'm doing, and so I need to act in my life. I need to make the right choices. I need to do the right things. And I do that by the power of the Spirit, not by my choice. Not by my controlling factor, but by His living in me and working in me. 1 Corinthians tells us in chapter 15, listen to this verse, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, in other words, it wasn't wasted. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God which is with me. So he says, I went to work, but as I went to work, it wasn't really me working, it was the Spirit of God. It was the grace of God and the Spirit of God working within me. Walking by the Spirit, allowing the the Spirit to control us. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Listen to this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
So once the Spirit has come, once I've gone through the, these other steps, once the Spirit has come, He said, it's no longer me who lives in this body, this fleshly body. It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is now alive in me. The Spirit of God now directs me and causes me and motivates me and encourages me to take the direction in life that I need to take, to make the choices in life and do the things in life that I need to do. And so there's the action part. I just don't sit down and say, well, the Spirit's in control. I'll let Him do what He wants to do. No, He says, you've got to act. I've got to take action on the Spirit working in my life and filling my life and, and motivating and directing me to do the things that I should do. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Get that? Work out. In other words, he said, it's a continual process. It's not a just one time the Spirit comes and fills me and it's over and it's done. He says, continue to work it out. Continue to go through the process. If you need to go back to step one, and, and sometimes in your life we get a little bit prideful. We get a little, a little bit thinking more of ourselves than we should. We, we think that we're better than we are. He says, you need to go back to step one. And step one is, I need to acknowledge that there is anything good in me. Step one is, I need to acknowledge that apart from Him, I can't do anything. And I need to allow my, my, my spirit to be humbled by His spirit, acknowledging that. So, so he says, it's a continual process. It's something that we continue to work through in our life time and time again. Beloved, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Get out of the chair and the house and fire because, listen to this, the Spirit of God is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. In other words, he says, get up and do something, but work that out. Continue through the process. It's not a one-time, one-moment event. It's an ongoing process. So the Spirit comes and lives with me. I'm living by the Spirit, and I'm walking by the Spirit. The Spirit is now controlling and giving direction in my life. And that brings us to the fifth and final, and that's this. Be thankful. Be grateful that God has allowed His Spirit to come and live within us. Be thankful that He wants to direct our path. Be thankful that He wants to guide us in the way that we should go. Be thankful that He wants to remove the old heart and replace it with a new heart. Be thankful that He allows His Spirit to come and live within us and be appreciative of all that He does with us. Galatia, or 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says this, Thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. He's writing, and, and as he writes, he's talking about Titus, and he says, what caused Titus to love the church at Corinth? It was God. It wasn't Titus. Titus didn't choose, oh, I'm going to love these people. They're wonderful people. I'm going to make the choice in my life. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to be selfless, and I'm going to put all of these people at Corinth first. He didn't make that choice himself. It was the power of God and the Spirit of God in him that motivated him to love the people at Corinth. And we have to understand and be thankful for that. Paul writes and said, I'm thankful that God calls Titus to love you. That God calls Titus to cherish you in his heart. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If the Spirit is going to come and give life to us and allow us to have the hope of eternity in the kingdom of heaven, then let's live like that. Let's act and let's live and let's carry out the work of the Spirit in our hearts and our lives as we begin this new year and we have an opportunity to start anew. Be thankful for the power of God and the presence of God and His desire and His ability to change who we are and give us the hope of eternity in the kingdom of heaven. And so this morning we're going to sing an invitation hymn. 
And the invitation invites us to, to make changes in our life. Maybe we've been living a bit too proudful and we need to humble ourselves and surrender our hearts today. Maybe we've been trying to live in our own power instead of trusting in the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. And maybe we need to look at those five steps and say, you know what, I need to humble myself and acknowledge without Him I'm not anything. I need to, in my life, pray and seek for His Spirit to come and fill me. In my life, I need to trust Him that He will do what He has said He will do. And then I need to act on that and be thankful for the blessing of His Spirit. Whatever decision on your heart today, won't you come as we stand and we sing?